This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up, everyone? Carm Capriato. Welcome to Remarkable Results Radio. Uh, Our goal, to advance the aftermarket and help you with your business and your personal acumen so that your level of success climbs each and every day. Uh, We've got a really cool episode here. Uh, How many times have we talked about, let's find a great service advisor from the hospitality industry. And we know that those are people, people, if you will, allow me that. We want them on our counter because they get it. They know it. They understand it. So it's either a person that's, uh, you know, checking you in at a hotel or a waiter or waitress that has given you exceptional service. So Steve DeJoya is here, customer service crusader. He's an author and a trainer in the hospitality business. Hello, Steve. How are you, sir? It's great to be here, Carl. Thank you, Steve. Steve DeJoya.com. That's spelled D-I-G-O-I-A. Steve DeJoya.com. You can see all his stuff. Hey, thanks to our sponsor, Napa, for providing you this episode. You know, it's no secret we're facing a technician shortage, and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASE certifications. Learn more. Members can visit member.napaautocare.com. Steve and I had this pre-call before we we did the show, and I fell in love with so much of the stuff that he shared with me. And I said, we got to tell this story to our great, great industry. Frankly, I just don't know where to start, except that what I learned from you about the restaurant or hospitality waiter, waitress business so equates to what we do in our industry, Steve. And you, you were explaining to me how you see our automotive industry. And it's almost like in order to hook our listener to stick around and get the value from this, tell us your view or your opinion of you know how our industry looks to the consumer. I mean, I had my own HVAC business for almost 10 years. And so it's not obviously the same as auto industry, but it's the same thing as far as we are providing a service. And I think that's the difference. We have what's called customer service, which to me is the mechanical side of what you were doing. We are physically providing a service to someone, fixing something, repairing something, installing something. But what's really been the, the buzzword for, I would guess, the last 10 years is customer experience. And to me, what customer experience is, how do I make you feel while I am providing this service to you? And I think that's where so many service industries, I don't want to say get it wrong, but lose an opportunity to really connect with the customer. We're so focused on doing what they're here for, to fix this, to install that, to uh, to repair something, that we forget that there are thousands of other people who can do the same thing. You know, there are mechanics every couple of blocks, at least where I live. And I know in many other areas are, there are other people where you can buy aftermarket products that are somewhat similar, but what can you do during the service part of the transaction to hook this customer in, hopefully for life? It has to be something more than just a mechanical aspect of. And that's where I think having a hospitality mindset, which is what it's all based upon, will be able to separate you from your competition and really give you that edge over everyone else who was just looking at it to do their job. Well, it has to be much more than just doing your job. I need to do my job and connect with you in a way that I'm the only service provider you ever want to come to again because 
I do something different for you. I make you feel appreciated. I make you feel special. I, I modify to the best of my ability what I can do for you. I keep you informed along the process. And at a bare minimum, I smile. I give you a big welcome when you walk into my shop. There has to be something else that separates you from your competition more so than just the physical service you were providing. You know, it's how I make you feel. It's how I make you feel appreciated. It's how I welcome you when you walk into my place of business. You know, how many times have you walked into a shop of some type and the person at the counter, they're busy looking down, they're typing on their computer and you walk up to them and all you see is the top of their head. Well, at some point you have to stop what you're doing as soon as you hear that door open up. Hey, good morning or good afternoon. Thank you for coming. Can you give me one second? I'll be right with you. Sure, of course. You know, and uh, so that's what it is. The experience that you provide to somebody will separate you, in my opinion, from all your competition. One of the things that I, I learned about Steve is that he's an operational person. Nothing like taking an operational person and get him, get him the passion of how to take care of customers because you know that there's a process behind all that we do. Now, here's what I want to share. I've been thinking so much about this interview with Steve that we've recently traveled. I went to dinner with Anne last night in a very tiny local country restaurant that is not sophisticated. You know, you can wear your your boots with, you know, mud on them in the place, but the food is good, right? And I couldn't help but think, Steve, how big the tickets could be had they taken your 90-step approach. And so when you're a diner and you're gaining and feeling the experience from your waiter based on the teachings, the culture of the place you're doing business with, does that meet muster for how you take care of your customer? There are so many places we can put ourselves in the customer's shoes, but because you're here and you're in the hospitality business, that's where I think there's so much value in this episode because we're going we're gonna to get into some really cool stuff here how you're greeted, when you're greeted, when you're talked about the menu. And when you hear Steve talk about how the steps and the processes should work, take that feel back to your business and work with your people. Don't preach to them. Say, look it, I just had a dining experience last night and I think the, the waiter waitress left out a couple of things. Have we done that? And I love Steve says, you have to have that friendly greeting. You got to talk about the wine list. You got to talk about the dessert right up front. And that a good waiter or waitress, if they have the wine, the appetizer, the main course and the dessert, they had a great night. So if we think about doing all of that inside of our industry and all the things that we do, we had a great customer. and We continue to build a relationship that they want to come back over and over again. My overall career has been a little crazy. I spent most recently, you know, a little over 20 years in the hotel industry prior to that, as I mentioned, my HVAC business. And I almost think I learned more about customer service by being a, quote, plumber, air conditioner tech than in anything else I did, because it's it's one-on-one, -on -one, you know, somebody, and we were a small business, you know, just a couple of guys, a few trucks, nothing fancy. But we spent more time, at least that was my mindset. I mean, my partner, frankly, was the, the expert mechanic. I was the, quote, expert business guy, which was not the case anyway, but I'll say that for now. <laughs> uh, so I tried focusing more on building the business 
behind the scenes. And every day after work, I would sit, I had printed up cards where I can slip my business card, our business card in. And I would write a handwritten note that had something to do with the work performed at this particular customer's house. And, you know, as being a, a jobber where you're going from home to home, we did small small commercial and residential work. Sometimes I would have two business cards to fill out. Sometimes I'd have 12, 13, depending on how busy we are. And we went back to a, a re- very great customer, a repeat customer one day. And she would always put food out for us every time we came. When it would, Depending on the type of a job and how long it was, she'd buy us lunch or she'd make us lunch. And wonderful lady. And one day I noticed on her dining room table, she had, you know, a bowl of, uh, I'm sorry, kitchen table, a bowl of fruit. And my thank you card sitting in the middle of this bowl of fruit. And I mentioned, hey, I see you have my thank you card there. And she went into this long story with this big smile on her face. She said, oh, I keep that card there all day long. I tell all my girlfriends about it. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And she said, I never got a card, a thank you card from a plumber, which is what the terms that she used. And at that point, I knew I was doing something different because it meant enough, at least to this one customer, to be able to keep that out in view. So anyone who came to her house, she apparently told us about them. And I knew that I did something different to, in essence, lock this customer in. That is what is so important, what we do. There has to be a totally different mindset of just doing what the customer came to my shop for and finding that connection. And that's what we in the hospitality, at least the people who survive in it, because as you can imagine, it's a very challenging industry, just as yours is. But the people who can survive in it and thrive at the same time, their brain works differently. The hospitality mindset is you're coming into my home, my place of business. In this case, it's a hotel. It could be a cruise ship. It could be a casino. It could be a travel agency. There's so many things that make up the hospitality field. But you're coming into my place of business, my home, my name may be on the front. It may say Steve's Auto Repair or Steve's Hotel. And I have not only a fiduciary responsibility to take care of you, but I have a moral responsibility to make you feel welcome, to make you feel as if I truly appreciate you being here. I don't need to do that. Uh, hello, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Here's your room, room number 310. You have a nice hotel room and you'll probably have a decent stay and you'll leave. But why come back to that hotel? It could be price. It could be the free breakfast. It could be the way that the shuttle driver spoke to you when he picked you up at the airport and ultimately drove you to the hotel. Sometimes the shuttle driver in those type of hotels are the most important person in the entire hotel because they're setting the stage. They're setting the foundation for your first interaction with that hotel. And that's the same thing in in any type of a retail business. Yes, you know, let's say for an auto, you know, the mechanic is king because he or she is ultimately fixing the car. That's the reason why this customer came in. But if the person who greeted you when you walked in was somewhat apathetic, or if if the shop wasn't in the type of condition as far as cleanliness and bright and welcoming, there's something missing. And it, it has to come from a mindset and you can't always train that, can't always teach that. So I I think a big part of what will, to get to that hospitality thought process is it comes right from the hiring process from day one. And businesses have to judge what's more important, getting somebody with the skills or somebody who I can teach the skills, but they have that big open arms type of a thought process. 
So, Steve, we have in our industry shuttle drivers, and I love your point how important the shuttle driver at a hotel would be to the customer experience. I hope that we in our industry realize the importance of that individual that maybe would drop off and pick up a customer concierge service and all that. And recently, we were at the uh, Transformers Institute Summit and we were having some side discussions, or I think there was somebody on stage, they said, what about the Uber driver? who you are having take someone home and they may have a friend who has an auto shop somewhere else and say, why do you go there? I mean, I think it's interesting that we may necessarily, we could have a leak in our reputation and or our, our service profile by leaving a customer off to maybe an Uber or a Lyft driver. So totally interesting thought. Now, Let's talk about, you had told me that you had a perspective on our industry and how you look at it. Would you mind sharing it in in a positive way? Obviously, being at the point in life where we are, we've had many opportunities to go to various different car mechanics. And I'm fortunate that where I live now, I've been here 20 years now. I've had the same car mechanic from day one since I moved here, and I love the gentleman. But I think his shop is what I've seen. Again, I can only speak from my experience. Sometimes I think we forget that your impressions start from the first time you contact a business, whether it's on the phone or it's online. It's the look, it's the colors. We all know that colors have a big part of what the associated meaning is for it. But it always seems to me that in many mechanics, they're focused so much on fixing that they don't realize that the waiting area has to be not only comfortable, obviously clean, but it should be bright. It should be somewhat of a more welcoming scenario. And again, from my experience, I haven't seen that. Not just from a mechanic, but if you're going to get tires, you know, from the quote tire store or someplace else. And I I think sometimes we forget that there is a world outside of the mechanic's hands. And, you know, sometimes we, we think that as long as I fix the car, I give fair and reasonable price, I'm okay. Well, you've lost a lot of opportunities. Is there something where, like I mentioned before, where you're being welcomed in such a way that you're like an old buddy, an old friend? You may not know that customer's name because you can't remember everybody, but somewhere during the transaction, when you're on your computer, you know, in the hotel field, the hospitality field, and sometimes in sales, they say use the customer's name three times. You know, that's the most beautiful word, which is our name. That's one of the the terms. And so it's another way of connecting with the customer. You know, don't just get your information. What's wrong with the car? What's the sounds that you hear? What lights are blinking? But, you know, Mr. Smith, tell me what's wrong. And another thing I think that we lose an opportunity, and that's what we do in what I used to train my waiters, is, okay, I've taken all the information down from my customer. I realize what the problem is, and I'm well prepared to fix it. Well, you know what? Tell that to your customer. At the end of the interaction, instead of saying, okay, we'll give you a call when the car is ready, it should be, okay, Mr. Smith, once again, I want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to fix your car and that the trust you've placed in us. I want to let you know you made a great decision, and we will do everything we can to get this car back to you as quick as we can, and that way you can go about your way safely. What did that take? 20 seconds? You know, but that's another way to connect with our customer. And I think there, there are so many ways that we just, we forget the other parts of service. And I can give you a prime example. I'm going to say it's about two years ago. I dropped my car off to the uh, very good dealer mechanic. Very happy with them. They fixed the car. I don't really remember what was wrong with it. But now I was a customer. 
I'm not looking at things from a service perspective. I'm looking at it from a customer mindset. And I would never forget, I picked up the car, you open up your door, and the first thing you see is that white paper mat that's on the carpet of your car. So obviously, you know, that's a standard thing. So the boots don't get any dirt and grime that may be on the boots onto the carpet. But what I also saw all around that white mat, now it stood out, was gravel, dirt, leaves. Now, I don't know if those leaves and gravel and dirt was there beforehand. I can't tell you that. But it stood out to me so much that as a customer now, I had a little bit of an expectation that you went through the trouble to keep the car clean. Well, why couldn't you get out your shop vac and spend two minutes and vacuum the car a little bit? You know, as cars become more advanced, manufacturers are getting sole access to important vehicle data while independent repair shops and vehicle owners are increasingly locked out from accessing vital repair data. But who owns the data? The vehicle owner or the manufacturer? When it comes to vehicle repair, the fight to secure data access for vehicle owners and their chosen independent repair facilities continues. U.S. Representative Bobby L. Rush introduced the Right to Equitable and Professional Auto Industry Repair, acronym REPAIR, R-E-P-A-I-R, Act to the U.S. House on February 3, 2022. The bill is aimed at giving small, independent repair shops the same kind of data access that licensed vehicle dealerships already receive. Americans should not be forced to bring their cars to more costly and inconvenient dealerships for repairs when independent auto repair shops are often cheaper and far more accessible, said Rep. Rush. But as cars become more advanced, manufacturers are getting sole access to important vehicle data while independent repair shops are increasingly locked out. The right to repair legislation should protect a pro-consumer and competitive motor vehicle repair market, provide independent repair shops with the rights to critical information, tools, and equipment needed to repair modern cars and trucks. The right to repair legislation should task the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration with developing cybersecurity standards and guidelines to protect vehicle data and systems when repair and maintenance data is accessed by vehicle owners. Please join the fight and help support Right to Repair by completing the form at www.autoadvocacy.org slash NAPA, which sends a letter to your member of Congress today. Right to Repair legislation protects your access to vehicle data and scan tools. This is critically important for the automotive heavy-duty paint and body industries. AutoCareAdvocacy.org slash NAPA. You believe as a, as a consumer, which is really kind of cool that Steve is here because he's not connected to our industry, although he's a customer service guy. Would you have liked us to have removed that paper? We show it so that you can see that we did everything we could to keep our greasy, dirty feet off of your rug or whatever. But now you have to take it out. Should you be charged to take it out? Honestly, no. I think that if you really want to take it the next step up, there's a couple of things that should have been done. And I don't fault any mechanic from doing that. It's just taking that next step. And let me stop you. The top 10% in our industry are doing this. They're going the extra mile. They're doing vacuuming. So in many cases at the high, high-end shops, specialty shops, Mercedes, Lexus, they're washing the car. They're doing all of that for you. And that's the expected level of service at a high-end, if you will, independent specialty shop. But go ahead. That's what the problem is. In a perfect world, you shouldn't receive less service because you're paying less versus getting extra service taken care of because you happen to be paying more. 
meaning a, a higher valued car. But we all understand that happens. But what I would recommend, if you hired me to come into your shop and I saw that, what I would say, you want to take this to the next level? Yes, take the paper out. Because you know how you would remind me that you went out of your way to clean the car? I would see the results. I would see that it's clean. I would see it vacuumed. And I would go one more step. I don't think I mentioned it. I mentioned it before with my own business. We would send thank you cards out. But what's wrong with having some other type of a thank you note? It could be a standardized card that you can place in, I guess, maybe on the dashboard or on the steering wheel and say something similar to what I mentioned before. You know, dear valued customer, or if you want to write it in the name, thank you for giving us the opportunity to service your car. As a way of showing our appreciation, we kept your carpet clean, we vacuumed your carpet, we washed your your glass, whatever we did. Thank you again for letting Steve's auto repair take care of you. I mean, I look at it that if you do that on a regular basis, it would carry over to other parts of your service because you realize this is not, quote, not needed. But when it's done, I think it has a huge impact. And I think those are the things that uh, your industry could do that could really make a difference. And if 10% are doing it, that's great. But there's so many more people that could take one little step and change everything. That's why you're here. You're here to confirm what so many in our industry are doing, Steve. Uh, Coke bottle of water. If they see that this person loves uh, Coke, they're probably going to put a cold Coke uh, when the vehicle gets picked up. You know, a great member of our uh, podcast alumni community, Matt Lockowitzer, they'll put a little stuffed bear on the back seat if there's kids and they have a, a new one every year. So people love to come in and collect them. There's a lot of that stuff going on, but there's not enough of that stuff going on. And thank you for affirming and confirming. One of the things I really want to get to is number one, we have a very vibrant service advisor training community in our industry. And there are more and more shops sending their service advisors to training or getting them online training and then online mastermind groups and coaching. Okay. It is a, you know, we're, we're coaching shop owners, we're coaching COOs, general managers, we're coaching service advisors. But there's just not enough of that going on. Another reason you're here is to help bolster that. But where I wanted to go was when you sent me the 90-step process that you had your waiters go through, and I'm reading this thing down to the atom. It's very detailed. Yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> I want to tease the audience with this because we're not going to go over this whole thing, but I wanted to explain to you that it's very possible that you need to buy in to a process or these steps. Number one, within 90 seconds of guests being seated, the server is to greet the guest with a sincere and pleasant tone. Good evening. Welcome to, you know, blankety blank restaurant. My name is, may I offer you one of our signature cocktails or a glass of wine from our menu? So we're already building that bridge, finding out what their likes or dislikes are, offering them signature cocktails. And you go down the list, server takes beverage, tap water is not to be offered, but presented upon request, server enters beverage. I mean, on and on and on and on, what we do with our point of sale system, the server describes the chef's selections. And even if we took 45 steps to a customer relationship and a greeting using their name, and so many of the great pointers that we are teaching our service advisors in our industry, you can teach from this, you can train from this, you can coach behavior with this. The point when you send that to me, I says, oh my God, if we only did half of this, 
we would have a stronger, better customer relationship where they're confident and trusting that you're going to fix their vehicle, make it safe and reliable for them. It's also a way of judging the competence and the adherence to company policy, because without that, what are you judging it on? If somebody doesn't do step number 47, we don't terminate them or write them up. But if you want a consistent product, consistent service, a consistent experience, you have to have something like that because at a bare minimum, it reinforces the steps that the business believes is important to them to be able to service the client. But at the same time, it, it, it's a way of, of continually reinforcing the expectations. And expectations not only go on the customer side, but go on the employee and the ownership side. And once again, once we spend too much time in the office, because we think our staff, oh, you know, John has been working here for 10 years. He's a great mechanic. But I guarantee you, someone working in, in one place for 10 years is taking shortcuts. Now, they may be shortcuts that are great for the business. It may save some money. It may do some other wonderful things. But is that the shortcut you as the business owner want someone to take? Because is there a step that is being left out? That's the foundation of what you do. You build off of that. Yeah, it's got to be good for the customer and it's got to be good for the business. Not to get so heavy into this 90-step process, but it's broken down. And that's the other thing I liked about this, Steve. You know, there's a second server contact. There's a a third server contact. There's the uh, clearing protocol. There's the entry course. And who says you can't come up with this list and then break it down into chunks, if you will, the chunks of the relationship? And I think that also shows that you have a team behind you. It's not just, you know, you can have a fantastic server, but there's, you know, there's four or five other people involved easily uh, who are taking care of you. The cooks, the dishwashers, the buses, the runners, the whole nine yards. And same thing as a mechanic, especially somebody going the first time. If the mechanic is not the one checking in the customer, the only relationship that they have is with that guy or girl who's checking him in and taking their keys and then they're waiting in the waiting room. If I just fixed your car, why can't I introduce the mechanic to the customer? That way it puts a face on who did the work. And it's the same thing. I like businesses. And one thing I tell a lot of people is, you know, we've seen the local car dealership ads on TV. It's usually the owner or they have the salesperson. Those are some of the very few commercial TV ads that, that you actually see the employees in them. I think the best thing you can ever do is feature your employees in your ads, your marketing. There should be posters up within your property. You know, instead of putting a poster of this tire dealer, and I understand the reasons why it's done, about, you know, you know a shock absorber on, on a st- sign, put a poster, a, a photograph, a video, rolling video of your team. Let your employees feel, wow, that's the guy that fixed my car. It's just another way of of personalizing the overall experience. We're getting there, Steve. Thank you for reminding me how we we have a show, Aftermarket Weekly, where we do tours of shops. And more and more, we're starting to see the pictures of the technicians, any certifications that they have, and a little bio about them and what they like to do in their spare time, you know, about their family. And that brings the culture of family from inside to the client. And again, 
We're not doing enough of that in our industry, but I'm happy to say that because of what we do here on the podcast, more and more people are being exposed to this. The more people are joining networking groups and 20 groups and coaching companies, they're starting to say, oh, yeah, because their peers are starting to do this stuff. So this this was great. I love this. I, I know we cannot solve the customer service issue in, in our industry, but you did bring so many great points. And I think... My final takeaway is this. Keep an ear to the the hospitality, especially, you know, the food business. Realize maybe what you didn't have happen to you in, and as an owner, are we being this casual to our customers and and I just feel like I'm just another ticket or do I feel like I've been engaged in my meal choices, in my wine choices and did they ask me if I enjoyed the food? To me, even the smallest of restaurants could come up with a really great way to process their uh, diner into their business. I think one of the easiest ways of doing it, we've all heard the term, put yourself in the shoes of the customer, but that really is the case. And, you know, I got into the hotel industry sort of as a fluke. I wish I would have been there 20 years earlier because I love it. And even with the crazy challenges, it's an industry that if you love it, it, it's very rewarding. But what has helped me over the years is, is I like to observe and, you know, you go into a new job, a new position, a new, new place of business, you know, giving you the business. I like to see how they operate as a service provider, whatever your industry is. We have to find a way of, if I was that particular customer, what, if anything, would I have preferred to have been done differently? Is there a question that I wish he or she would have asked me? You know, you have to pre-qualify a customer. That's your typical sales thought. Well, we should be pre-qualifying every customer that walks in the door to really find out what are your expectations, not just what is wrong with your car. You know, do they really need that car back by the end of day or could it stay the next day? They may not tell that to us. We should find that information out because if they really would prefer that car back that day because of hundreds of different reasons. Well, let me do all I can to make that happen. That may be the one thing that is different. And as long as we can think for the customer, as if I was the customer, like I I did going into the car and getting, you know, and seeing the dirt still in the car, that may give us another viewpoint into, let me try doing something a little differently for this customer, because now I am the service provider. Once we punch out of our job, we're a customer. Because we're going someplace else, whether we're going home, we're stopping at the supermarket to get a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk. We're a customer. How do I feel doing this? And, and I think that's a big part of that would help your average person maybe look at things slightly differently. I love that. Thank you so much. What a great wrap up. We are the customer. Think for the customer, because when we're not in our daytime job of serving the customer, we become the customer. And, and you, you need to take those experiences. If you felt good about it, what it, well, how could you bring it to your job? And if you felt bad about it, how could you fix it? Maybe you've been there before. Steve DeJoya, customer service crusader, author and trainer uh, from the hospitality industry. Thanks for uh, opening our eyes to... Uh, why we think uh, hiring people from the hospitality industry works really good on our service counters. Well, thank you, Carmen. This was a pleasure. And I, and I hope your viewers and your listeners that you got something out of the message and can find, even if they just find one good tip that they can put into their personal professional lives. Well, I feel that I've done my job. And that's a great feeling to know that we can help others. Perfect. Thank you, man. You're welcome. 
Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.